ideally you as the founder of the company, you're figuring out with investors, whether that be angel investors that are going to come in and anchor the round, or, you know, maybe your board or, you know, advisors, um, or maybe speaking with other founders, okay, what are the right terms? Are we going to do equity or debt? If we do equity, is it a price round? Is it a safe? Is it a convertible note? If it is a loan, like, is it a revenue-based financing deal or a, a standalone with a fixed interest rate? So we're kind of you, you are kind of figuring out the terms of the investment with the, with the investors. And it's obviously got to be in line with market. Because if you say, we're going to offer a loan and we're going to pay investors back 3% interest, then yeah, no one's going to lend sexy. you that money because they yeah. can get that from you know, investing in a big company that's, that's not risky. You have to figure out the right terms of the investment with the investors, then whether that's the debt or equity, and then we put that up and we fund it. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the More Rounds podcast. I'm Kim Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Chromix. Here on this podcast, you can learn about how to fund your business, whether it's raising money, whether it's figuring out how to cash flow it, or getting debt. And today, you guys, we have none other than one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people, Johnny from WeFunder, who's VP of Fundraising. Johnny helped me in my crowdfund, and I am so excited to have him here to talk about how you can do a community round, okay? All right, so before we get started, Let's do a cheers. Love it. Most important, <laughs> most important part of the podcast. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so Johnny, tell me about yourself. Tell me about WeFunder. I'll let you go ahead. Go. You can go. Sure. So Johnny Price, as you say, VP of fundraising at WeFunder. Um, as you can tell from the accent, not from Georgia. <laughs> Not from Tennessee originally, but uh, from England. Um, so I grew up there and then came over to the States initially to volunteer for a nonprofit called Kiva.org. Um, it's based in San Francisco. While I was there, I met my wife. Um, we're happily married, been married for about 10 years. We've got three beautiful, beautiful young kids. We live in Nashville, Tennessee now. So I lived in SF for 10 years. Now we live in Nashville. Um, and yeah, WeFunder is a platform uh, that helps founders like yourself uh, raise capital, not just from rich people, accredited investors, institutional investors, but also from their customers, from their community. Uh, we call it a community round. It's using a relatively new law that um, passed Congress um, about 10 years ago. The SEC rolled it out in 2016. It's called regulation crowdfunding. Um, and so this allows you to raise capital from unaccredited investors as well as accredited investors and publicly promote and market the raise. So I look forward to talking more about it today. So, Johnny, there are people out there who are like, you know, I don't know what it means to raise money from investors. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with that. Um, should I be doing something like crowdfunding for rewards or, you know, raising money from rewards just for like, you know, or should I, should I be doing it for equity? How do you yeah. define what kind of business should be one that is looking to just kind of get donations from their customers versus like selling shares in their business? Yeah. So there's different types of crowdfunding. Um, and as you know, we, we don't love term crowdfunding. We talk about community around. So every time you talk about crowdfunding with respect to WeFunder in this conversation, I am going to charge you 25 cents in the <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, All right. These but, startups yeah. and their branding, my bad. Okay. Yeah. Community but, round, but, you guys, not crowdfunding. But uh, yeah, so people call it investment crowdfunding. So we do investment crowdfunding and there's different types of crowdfunding. So Kickstarter is the one that people know or Indiegogo is another type of perks-based crowdfunding. Uh, 
Uh, and then there's donations based crowdfunding like GoFundMe. So with Kickstarter, you might say, okay, you know, I want to raise some money and I'm going to give you a perk, which might be a t-shirt or a discount on the product. Um, did you ever do a perk-based one for comics? No, and I probably should have. You know, mm. I just... It seems so elusive, right? Mm. It's like, throw your product up there and see if people will give you money to launch it. And yeah. it just was like, this. it just always felt too, um, like, unstable to me. I don't mm. know. It's just weird. And and maybe I shouldn't have because I know that Brandon Sanderson, crowd, uh, he basically raised, like, $40 million from his community, right? Mm. Through, like, uh, rewards crowdfunding, mm. which I didn't know you could. I was like, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Um, but it just seemed like. I don't know. It just seemed like not enough. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, as a well, reward. that's, that's actually what I was going to say for me, like the big difference between like GoFundMe, uh, which is donations or a Kickstarter Indiegogo, which is perks is the amount raised. And so typically if, if you're just giving a, a product or a, a perk, um, you can raise large sums of money. You have people that raise millions of dollars on Kickstarter, but the average Kickstarter raise, I believe this is right. You can check it on their website, but I think it's around 25 K. Um, wow. and the average, oh, that's we, low. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, smaller, smaller companies that are doing it that way. Um, and then the average we funder raises about $500,000. So typically gotcha. if you're offering a rate of return to investors, then they might get out their checkbooks and write you a larger sum. Gotcha. Um, the average Kickstarter backer, I think, is $80. Um, and we funded the average investment amount is $1,000. So typically, if you're looking at raising a larger sum of money, then investment crowdfunding uh, and WeFunder is, is kind of the path you want to go. J just to say one thing as well on WeFunder, so most of what we do is equity. Right, so you're raising from VCs and angel investors. Typically, you're raising equity capital, and so the the hope for investors is that you build a huge company. You know, you 10x, you 100x, and then they, their equity investment is worth 10 times or 100 times when you exit the company in a few years' time. Um, we also do debt investments on WeFunder, so you can put your put your uh, investment up and you say, "I want to borrow money at 15% interest." Or, is that new? Um, we've actually had it for a while. Um, we had a brewery in Austin, Texas, hops and grain raised a million dollars through a, a loan back in, I think 2019 or 2017 or something. Um, so it's been around for a while. Wait, how do you pay it back? So there's a couple of options. So one is like a loan with a fixed term of like five years and you pay an interest rate on that, like, like an SBA loan. Let's so do say. I just put money in like my WeFunder cash or something as a business to pay them back and then they get, you guys distribute it? Yeah. So let's say you, let's say you raise, you know, $500,000 from 500 investors on WeFunder investing a thousand dollars each. So that's a $500,000 loan. And every month you pay back whatever, you know, $5,000 and then we distribute that out to the individual investors. I do not know that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a kind of a fixed term loan. I'm kind of mad, Johnny. I might have done that sooner <laughs> if I know y'all did that. Well, I didn't I think, know y'all did that. I think for you, I think an equity raise was the right one, right? I think investors are probably in Calmix looking at getting a piece of the upside. And yeah. obviously when they're investing in in startups, like it can be quite risky. And so investors are oftentimes like looking for that big kind of upside piece. Um, so usually what happens if they can't pay the bill? Like, uh, has that happened? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like a, a business that borrows money from a community development financial institution or a bank, or, I mean, ultimately the business goes bankrupt and you know, the debtors are going to uh, collect. Okay. So y'all don't money. promote this. Y'all like, no, just do the, the equity. Cause in case you well, can't pay this back, like we don't I mean, want you to, to bankrupt you. You know, I think, um, yeah, for what, what I try to say is like, 
you know, I'm not an expert in figuring out the right investment structure. I'm an expert in, you know, investment crowdfunding and the gotcha. regulations and helping you succeed on the WeFunder platform. But ideally, you as the founder of the company, you're figuring out with investors, whether that be angel investors that are going to come in and anchor the round, or you know maybe your board or you know advisors, um, or maybe speaking with other founders. Okay, what are the right terms? Are we going to do equity or debt? If we do equity, is it a price round? Is it a safe? Is it a convertible note? If it is a loan, like is it a revenue-based financing deal or a, a standalone with a fixed interest rate? So we're kind of you, you are kind of figuring out the terms of the investment with the with the investors, and it's obviously got to be in line with market. Because if you say, we're going to offer a loan and we're going to pay investors back 3% interest, then yeah, no one's going to lend you that money because they yeah. can get that from you know investing in a big company that's that's not risky. There's, you have to figure out the right terms of the investment with the investors, then whether that's the debt or equity, and then we put that up and we fund it. So what do you say to people who are like, um, you know, if you're crowdfunding, it means you weren't good enough to raise money from institutional investors, you know? Yeah, I think that that used, that stigma kind of used to be more the case, I think. Um, when did that was the case? Because I would argue that some investors think that now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or they all so. look at me. Most people, when I told, all of my advisors, I told them I wanted to crowdfund, and they all looked at me and was like, don't do it. They were like, and, and more than don't do it, it was just like, one of my advisors is like, you know, it's not a matter of if you can do it. Kim, I know you can do anything. So you can do it, right? Mm. She's like, but is like that how you want to spend your time? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, what other options do I have? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so do I just be small forever because I can't raise money from institutional investors? Yeah. Um, and then some people are like, well, the best deals nobody hears about because people are quick to put their money in and it, it, go, it wraps up very quickly mm -hmm. and it's not like this long drawn out process. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you respond to that? that yeah. The best deals are actually not through crowdfunding. Yeah, I love this question. For for me, if I'm being kind of cheeky and combative, right? Yeah. Like I think what WeFunder is doing for early stage investing in startups like Helmix mm -hmm. is what Airbnb was doing for hotels, right? Rather than Hilton and and Starwood and whatever the Marriott, the big hotel chains, who kind of we we have all the hotels and you have to stay in our institutional ho corporate hotel. Now anyone gets to be a hotel owner like on Airbnb and it makes for a more diverse, it, it's kind of democracy applied to early stage investing just as Airbnb is democracy applied to hotels. And yeah, the, the owners of Starwood and Hilton probably didn't, think Airbnb was that cool or they, they probably thought you needed the the corporate you know homogeneity yeah. uh, of you know Starwood and, and Airbnb wasn't going to work so for me there's always going to be some you know raised eyebrows and skepticism of the the democratic model just as probably the head of New York Times was you know skeptical of you know this Twitters and the Substacks and the democratization of journalism but let me say anyway that's kind of where I think some of the skepticism might be coming from for me, there's kind of two main answers to your question. One is, um, you know, the, the best way to answer it from a kind of, we can't raise from real investors thing yeah. is to do both, you know? So if you uh, look at like Mercury Bank, um, really awesome bank for startups, mm -hmm. great product. I actually um, have their car. I mean, I don't use it much, but I did sign up for Mercury Bank. Yeah. It's like a thousand dollars in that account. <laughs> yeah. So their, their customers absolutely rave about it. Just mm. like a, a very modern bank account that's like really you know using technology to make kind of banking easier for you as a startup founder yeah and so they raised 120 million series b i think it was led by co2 they raised 120 million dollars from vcs in their series b. okay from vcs Andreessen horowitz was in it 
And then they opened up $5 million allocation to let their customers invest and really? filled it out in a day on WeFunded. Massively oversubscribed. If you were a customer back then in 2021, you might've got an email about it. Oh, I did um, not see that email. So you missed it. You missed out on the chance to invest. I mean, it was gone like that. But the point is any question about, oh, like you did crowdfunding because you couldn't raise from real investors for them. It's like, we just raised 120 million from real investors. So if you can raise from VCs. Right, and, and we, we say real as in air quotes. <laughs> there real. was a lot of quotes right. on, the, quotes on the real, real there. But it's, so if you can raise from institutional investors, VCs, and you want to, right? Not everyone wants to go that path. It yeah. kind of constrains you and forces you down a certain growth path. But if you want to go that route and you can raise, then do both. Have the VCs lead the round price around and then also let your customers invest. And, and that kind of leads me onto the second reason for me of, you know, what I would say on, on that kind of negative signal or stigma point. You know, if you're a consumer-facing business like Curlmix, my pitch to you, and hopefully you, you bought it, that's why you did it, it's like if you let your customers invest, they're going to be more loyal fans of Curlmix. They're going to be passionate brand ambassadors. Their net promoter score goes up. Their churn goes down. Their LTV goes up. And but so, what do you say to people who are like, ah, uh, you know, and I, this is me being devil's advocate, right? Yeah, I've yeah. done a community round and I'm actually launching another one. So like I'm excited about it. I think it's the future of investing, right? Yeah. I think that... This is not the way that venture capital is. Um, I hate to use the word, but I think it's tainted. I mm. think it's I don't think that that is the way companies should grow. Mm-hmm. I think that was like a microcosm of how they got the Facebooks of the world and the Ubers of the world. But mm. that doesn't necessarily work for most ways of growing companies. Totally. And so for me, and I think specifically for black founders, equity crowdfunding or community rounds are like ideal because most of us build communities anyway and then we just don't know how to monetize it and this is kind of one of the ways you can do that but what do you say to what i was talking to a friend she runs a fund Mm. um a 60 million dollar fund and she basically said to me you know kim those investors don't know what they're doing you're basically taking people's money and you're misusing it how do you respond to that And, and you know and i'll just say real quick the sec regulates you know, equity crowdfunding and things like that, regulation crowdfunding. But like, I could go to a casino and spend like $20,000 of my life savings and no one cares. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts there? A couple of things I I think. One is, you know, I don't think we're saying you you shouldn't like be retail investors shouldn't be able to invest in public companies on the stock market, right? So Mm. they're able to invest in, you know, um, L'Oreal, uh, or Procter and Gamble, like why shouldn't they be able to invest in this brand that they love? Yeah. Um, so very true. That's we point, we generally yeah. think like retail investors should be able to um, you know have access to these opportunities and um, you know and then in terms of you know are, are they uh, sophisticated? Uh, we always try to encourage founders to you know frame frame this as frame the risks, highlight the risks. Mm-hmm. Investing in startups is risky. You should not invest more than you can afford to lose. We talk about this a lot on the website. We use the phrase of socially good lottery ticket. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you invest socially, in the lottery. Socially good lottery ticket is basically community yeah. rounds. Yes. Yeah. You invest in the lottery. You hope you have a big payout. You probably don't. Um, but this is, you know, you're investing in a startup um, that you believe in, a founder you believe in. And hopefully there's an investment uh, return on it as well. Yeah. And yeah, if it's a VC saying that, then again, another kind of uh, aspect of what we're doing is, you know, a VC can lead the round and then let's let the customers of that um, B2C company invest on the same terms as the VC. 
If you've seen any of the content we produce or Chromex online and thought, man, I want to invest in that company, now's your chance. Go to Chromex.com backslash invest and you can become an investor today. Now back to the episode. Do you think VCs are actually afraid of crowdfunding? Um, because they, it's such disdain, right? Yeah. Like no, I, I remember think it was right. almost like a, it was almost like a, a scarlet letter. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. you crowdfund it, you know? But then when they hear I raised 4.5 million or almost 5 million, they're like, oh wait, that's interesting. That, you know, and yeah. some of them don't invest more than half a million or a million in each company. So the fact that you can raise 5 million on your own, is kind of like, oh, well, maybe I should pay more attention to what she's doing, you know? Yeah, I, no, I, I think probably most VCs are not scared of crowdfunding. I think the CEO of Hilton was probably not scared of Airbnb in the early days of Airbnb, um, <laughs> you know, because it's the CEO of now. Hilton thought that, like, it wouldn't make sense for people to stay in the houses of people in, you know, different parts of Atlanta. They all should stay in the downtown Hilton Hotel. So I think that that's probably one reason. Um, but another reason is just very small, right? Re regulation crowdfunding community rounds are still a very, very small part of um, early stage, like angel capital and venture capital. It's still very early. What I was saying before about the stigma is changing is like, you probably wouldn't have done a WeFunder campaign in 2020 because you only would have been able to raise a million. Whereas you did it in 2021 because now the cap has increased to 5 million. Yeah. And so Replit, another great example, raised 80 million Series Replit? B. Replit? What is Replit. that? Um, it's a platform for uh, basically uh, bringing on, you know, the next billion software engineers. So it's a platform for like community and like helping engineers to learn to code. Like um, GitHub? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, similar. Okay, okay. Um, so they raised an 80 million Series B back in 2022 and then opened up a community so round. So much money. I, so I just, much money. I just love when like the big numbers like 80 million, 100 million, 20 million, 50 billion, whatever, like roll so, off your Substack's tongue. another one. You know Substack, the newsletter yeah, yeah. platform, so they did a 5 million community round earlier this year. How many founders have done community rounds on WeFunder? On WeFunder? Yeah. 1,000, 1,500? 1,000. Well, that's How many raise over 4 million? Very small, like maybe 2 or 3%. You are in an elite group, Tim uh, Lewis. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> but it, That's rare for me, the, you know? The, the point I was making is like um, only in 2021 when the SEC made some really important rule changes, 5 million caps, and now we can roll individual investors for one SPV on your cap table, one line. What's an SPV? Special purpose vehicle. So this is like an instrument, an LLC, a, a company that's created for the specific purpose of rolling up these thousands of And when you investors. say instrument, you really just mean it's a piece of paper that says, we funder LLC. It's actually a guitar. <laughs> it's a musical instrument. Yeah, no, it's a, exactly. It's a, an LLC, a company that's set up. And then all of those investors, instead of being a thousand lines on the Kelmix cap table, um, which is the list of all your investors that you need to maintain, it's just rolled up to one line on your cap table. And I so, first learned about an SPV with you guys. I didn't know what that was. Um, and I'm just explaining this to my listeners because I think most of them don't you know much about investing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I want to find funding for my business. And SPV was literally like a three-page document that said, you know, WeFunder is responsible for this special purpose vehicle. Yeah. And it will all roll. All the investors who are listed on the cap table, Chromex has 7,000 investors. We're going to have one person who's responsible for voting up on that, yeah. which would be like Lamar Tyler or whoever my lead investor was. And that in the event something happens to them, you know, WeFunder would then appoint my next investor leader or whatever, and then they would vote on behalf. But essentially on my cap table, I could just have one person, which would be Lamar, yeah. for WeFunder. And yeah. that's what a STV was, right? Yeah. Okay. And this is very common in startup investing. If there's like lots and lots of investors in a round, they're rolled up to one 
special purpose vehicle, one line on the cap table. It just makes it easier for you to manage as a founder going forward. And so the point is, before these SEC rule changes in 2021, we didn't have SPVs. And so again, you probably wouldn't have done Weave on there. The Substacks, the Replets, the Mercury Banks of this world have only really started to be interested in running a community around in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so it's still very, very nascent. Um, and one thing that's interesting right now in this market, obviously the amount of venture capital sloshing around is a lot less now than it was in 2021. Do you have the numbers around what kind of capital was available in 2021 versus what's for available VCs? now? Yeah, from VCs. We'll put a link to a Carter chart in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have show notes, right? And Carter a is a platform, podcast. you guys, that um, basically yeah, it ma manages your cap table. So it says like, okay, you have 50 investors. Here's where they can log in and see what kind of equity they own and yeah. any documents they need to sign, et cetera. And so they have, I just was looking this morning, they have a report. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like 60% would be my guess from looking at the shape of the chart, 60% drop off in venture capital from 2021 to 2023 VC dollars deployed. And so, so that means that there were a hundred million dollars available and now it's only like 40 million 20, available. Yeah. So and don't quote me on that. One in three companies are getting the capital that would have they would have gotten a year ago. Yeah, and I don't quote me on the 60%, but it's a huge drop off in the yeah. last couple of years, right? I think every founder is feeling this. There's a lot of down rounds, right? So maybe in 2021, you raised at a $80 million valuation and now you're looking at having to raise at a $50, $60 million valuation because mm. the market is down, there's less invested demand. And so you have to, you know, raise on a lower valuation. So, so flat is a new up. Flat is a new up, yeah. Um, and so the point is in this market where I think it's harder for founders to raise from VCs than it was a couple of years ago, more now are, are increasingly interested in saying, hmm, well, raising $5 million from my customers, turning those customers into super passionate brand ambassadors because now they're owners of Calmix. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very interesting option. And yeah, the more and more, for, have you ever read that book, Crossing the Chasm? No. Jeffrey Moore, great book, would highly recommend it. If you're like working on a startup disrupting an established industry, it talks about how you get these early adopters like Kim Lewis who do it. But a lot of people say, Oh, this is a negative signal. Oh, I'm an early this adopter? Not, you're an early adopter, oh, yeah. Oh, man, okay. And basically, it's like confident. You um, call me a hipster. Confident, bold, uh, you know. Uh, you were going to say brilliant, and then you didn't say brilliant, it. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> uh, confident, bold, confident brilliant, bold, mm, visionary uh, founders. The judgment. It's the Cambridge coming out. Well, That's what I think go. it is. You know, they, they will kind of take a risk on this, like, um, innovative, um, you know, model. And then over time, more and more founders will kind of say, oh, well, Kim did it. Kim's awesome. That, that was a great success story. That worked out really well. And the more case studies and examples there are, the more uh, comfortable folks will be with doing it. Did you have founders coming to you as like, well, Kim did it, so I want to do it too. And then were they able to do it? And if not, what do you think was the difference between a founder who like was able to raise the five million versus the founder who like couldn't raise a million? Yeah, so there's a million. I think people also don't know the work that goes into a, crowd, a, a community ground, you know? Yes, Kim, you are very special. I wasn't trying to say I was special. <laughs> I really wasn't. for the compliment. Wow, there, but yeah. wow. You are brilliant. You are brilliant. No, uh, yeah, of, co <laughs> of course, like is it, like I mentioned, I think you raised four and a half million. And that was not, no, I, I sent people your way. Yeah, okay? yeah, I yeah. sent people your way and they didn't, and I thought, okay, they have a large community. I thought yeah. they'd be able to raise, you yeah. know, at least a million dollars and it didn't happen for them. And I'm like, well, dang, like, what did they not do that yeah. I was doing to raise that money, you know? So I think you raised four and a half million, something like that. Um, Could have raised more, but you know. 
Side crash, but it's cool. It's cool. Hey, well, there's always a, a second second uh, bite of the apple, right? But I think, like I mentioned earlier, average raise when we fund is 500k. So yeah. you're like much much above average. There's a bunch of things, right, that go into whether a company raises five million on WeFunder or struggles to raise 250k, right? Okay. Just as there's a bunch of things that go into whether a founder can raise five million round from VCs or whether they won't do that, right? So your growth rate, you know, the total addressable market size, you know, you as a founder, your bandwidth to... But do you have like one metric? Like do you ask founders like, oh, what's the size of your mailing list? And and is that usually able to tell you like, oh, they can definitely raise the five or no, they definitely can't? I mean, not really because there are companies with zero audience that have raised, you know, millions of dollars on WeFunder. And there's companies with large audiences that, you know, struggle to raise which is maybe what you were talking about but i mean certainly as you're getting at like the size of your community is pretty important right and okay. probably of everything yeah i would say that's the most important it's not the be all and end all and i think about the the community in kind of three ways one how big is the community so you get a huge audience secondly what's huge i mean again it's it's there's no kind of easy answers but like you know social media of 20,000 like email list 50,000 is starting to, to get up but okay that's like, it's great that we clarify that because I would not consider that huge but like you're like no well, for but again it's a spectrum right so Mercury Bank that the company I mentioned earlier I think when they did WeFunder they had like 25,000 customers or so so oh, a wow. much much smaller number than I don't know how big your email list your social following was but that was a much smaller number than you but they raised five million dollars in a day gotcha because okay. it's not just the number but it's also like how strong of a relationship do you have with your customers? And so typically CPG, actually, it's not that strong of a relationship because maybe someone buys really? your product. Yeah, because like maybe someone buys your product and, and it depends as well. Like maybe, I don't know how much people spend on Kelmix like every month or every year, right? Yeah. But like, you know, if it's your bank, you know, or, or if it's like a product that you is kind of, I don't know, they're spending like, $10,000 on yeah. and spending so much more money on, then they have that kind of closer relationship to the company. And so another one would be net promoter score, right? Like, or your rating, like if your customers really, really love you, then if you give them a chance to invest, they jump at the chance. Gotcha. Okay. Are there any mistakes you see people make when they equity crowdfund? Yeah, a ton. Um, <laughs> a ton. Okay. <laughs> Just give me the biggest one. Um, the one think, you see time and time again, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish people would stop doing this. I, th I think like, you know, raising on terms that are out of line with market. Mm. I think if I'm, you know, some of our competitors, I, I see this maybe more, not to say we're totally immune from it and we fund it, but like just raising on valuations that like no serious investor would ever invest Give me an in. example. What's like a really bad valuation that you've seen? You don't have to say that you don't have to out the company, but I, like I saw a company raising on a valuation that started with a B for billion with zero dollars in revenue. Are you serious? Yeah. Did and they, like, oh, wait, did somebody write them a check? Did they, did they actually get money? Yeah. Yeah. How much money did they get? You know, give me a range. I mean, they raised seven figures. And I, I think, wow. and this is for me like. A billion dollar valuation with no revenue? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's a mistake. And another one I see founders make kind of in, in the opposite direction maybe is like, you, you know, it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. Like it's a, it's a big marketing campaign. It's an opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to run a great marketing campaign 
founders will tell us is the best marketing campaign we've ever done, but like it is a lot of work. And so if you come into it, and, and this is another kind of related one, if you come into it and you think WeFunder is going to do all the work, right? Right. You think like, oh, I'll just put Comix up on WeFunder. I won't do anything. And then the WeFunder investor base is going to cut, flood in and fund me four and a half million. doesn't work like that. Usually the, the amount coming from the platform is a minority of the amount you raise. So you've got to drive it, whether that's your customers, whether that's pushing it on social media, whether that's trying to get it to go viral, whether that's like getting your friends and family, angel investors to invest. And then you'll get some money from the WeFunder investor base as well i call it free money from being on the platform yeah but usually it's a small percentage of the total i used to tell people that it's not that we funder is going to make or break your campaign it's yeah. great to have a good platform right yeah. that can do the the thing is you can't raise the money yourself and take it yourself legally you right. have to run it through yes. some other platform yeah and that's the benefit is that they allow you to do this because exactly. otherwise you wouldn't be able to raise in your community without the likes of a platform you wouldn't be able to legally if you want to raise from unaccredited investors and if you want to publicly promote and market the fundraise yeah you have to use a platform and we fund as the biggest and the best you know what was kind of wild to me the sec was something i always just kind of heard in yeah, like same. the movies you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. like okay yeah, yeah i saw the big short and yeah, yeah i know what the sec does like yeah. they come in like you know bring down yeah. the hammer when people are acting crazy yeah. but no it's just like a set of guidelines and rules for yeah. how we buy and sell equity in businesses yeah. in our country right and so then there was something called like the form c Form yeah. C was like a long document with like accounting. And so this is my question, right? When you were saying that there are some founders who should and should not equity crowdfund. Mm. I was thinking that if you don't have your financials together, let's say you haven't, you haven't had a bookkeeper for the last year. Mm-hmm. Should you, and, and we didn't talk about the parameters, but if you're raising over, what is it? 600,000, what's the numbers? So if you're raising up to 124,000, so we, we fund a, the minimum we allow is 50K, right? Mm. So if you, if you don't need 50K, I mean, there's, you know, there's other options there. I used to work for Kiva, 5K, 10K, 0% interest loans, Kickstarter loan we mentioned. But 50K is the minimum we fund there. And then if you raise between 50K and 124K, it's just self-reported financials. Okay. Then if you get 124 up to 1.2 million, then it's, uh, you need to have it reviewed by a CPA, an okay. accountant. And if you're raising more than 1.2 million like you did, then you need a CPA audit. An audit, Which yes. if you're a CPG company with a ton of inventory like you, then audit is a real pain in the ass to That's put together. That's the hardest part, in my yeah. opinion, of the equity crowdfund is literally the audit. It's yeah. not even collecting the money from people and getting them to believe in you. It is literally the audit. But And then not for everyone. I think for, for most founders, actually the hard part is raising the money. You were able to do that. <laughs> right, not me sounding Because you're so brilliant. No, it, we manufacture, and that's what makes the audit so difficult because yeah. we literally have hundreds of ingredients. The inventory yes. makes it really... And then we can't yeah. stop our production. So it's like, how do we count while still producing for our retail order? Things like that. Okay, so, but I didn't know this. So up to 124, between 500, between 50,000 50, and 124,000, it's just self-reviewed. Yeah. Oh, okay, look at that. I have so a that, friend. So going back to what you were saying earlier, like who is it a good fit for, right? If, it, if it's someone that, yeah, maybe... You know, they they don't have they're, they're kind of earlier on. Let's say they're looking for a smaller amount. Yeah. Then it is totally free to launch, um, and you know it, it, that might be a better a better approach for them. Okay, that's good to know, Johnny. Is there anything that an unpopular opinion that you have about funding for your business? An unpopular opinion. Um, I mean, I kind of go back to what you were saying earlier. Um, I think venture capital gets like 
all of the attention, mm -hmm. all of the, the media. And it's, it's kind of ironic now because I feel like a lot of the media is a, a little kind of anti-tech or anti-VC, but like the only stories they write about are venture-backed startups. Yeah. And that consumes the entirety of the media spotlight. But the vast, vast majority of companies that are started every year in America are not a fit for venture capital. Because venture capital <laughs> is like, you yes. gotta have a billion dollar potential exit, yeah, right? And, and that just isn't a fit for the vast majority of companies. And so there need to be alternative investment structures. And so this is why we've been focused on this revenue-based financing initiative, which is like a loan-based um, investment um, structure, um, which I think will be a better fit for like 99% of the companies that are started every year in America. And so, I think we need, and there's other, there's institutional investors that are trying to innovate, you know, with structures beyond kind of straight equity that VCs typically do. Um, and but, I've seen some of those. And so, like, I've seen one where you have to pay the money back and then they still get to keep some equity. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, I don't, I don't like this structure. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's like a hybrid, like between debt and equity. And so we, we can accommodate structures like that as well. Mm. And, and for me, right. It's like, you've got to be able to offer something to investors, obviously as a founder, like got to have terms that aren't going to be egregiously expensive yeah. but on the investor side you've got to offer something to investors that's going to be interesting to them so trying to find that balance gotcha johnny is there anything you want to leave the people with final words i think just a shameless uh plug right as uh, if he was not shamelessly plugging we funded this entire time <laughs> but okay <laughs> um yeah, if, if you're a founder and, and you want to raise capital um, and, and you're curious about the idea of letting your customers invest, for me, especially for consumer-facing companies, like our dream is every consumer-facing company, every round. If you want to go the venture route, we're not kind of anti-VC, right? VCs are great. You know, it's a source of capital. Take a board seat, add value. It's great. So if you want to go the venture route, by all means, but... Let your customers invest alongside the VCs, behind the VCs. Then they'll love you even more and you'll grow faster. You know, Johnny, after our crowdfund, um, our community round the first time, I actually went to look up the rules around launching my own crowdfunding site because I'm a founder. <laughs> because what, what else would I do? And nah. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, because, you know, we raised like, even though some of it was reserved and some of it was actual This cash. whole time you were just pumping me for information. Oh, uh, man. So you could launch, Johnny, a, you launch a competitor. A, you almost had a competitor out of me. Almost. And then you were like, oh, my goodness, this is really hard to Oh, do. exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're nuts. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 not nuts. But I literally looked it up. And um, what was it? Because it, we had raised like $4 million in like three yeah. days. And yeah. I was like, oh, clearly I've got like, I've figured something out. Right. And yeah. it really was just that I had a large community. I had. 100,000 customers, several hundred thousand social media followers, et cetera. And I went to look up the regulation and there was literally like hundreds of pages of documents of things you have to like do right or otherwise yeah. the SEC is going to slap you on the wrist and like yeah. fine you. And then there were like so many like hundreds of documents you have to report every year about the people who are raising your platform. And that's when I learned that I couldn't like raise my own funding on my own platform. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's no way. Yeah. I was, that was the only reason well, I was doing it. So I could do my own platform on my own platform next time. Plus you all know? the tech, right? Like we, we, we found it was founded in 2012, went through Y Combinator in 2013. Like, you know, um, so we've been building this tech and the infrastructure and optimizing the checkout flow. And I was just going to white label. I was just going to get somebody yeah. else's yeah. crop. No, don't do it, Kim. Stay with me. Oh, no, 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 no. We found, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember talking to Maxine from Caribou. I'm like, Max, yeah. I'm thinking about launching my own crop. Site. She's like, Kim, She's like, you don't know enough. Stop it right now. Focus well, on product. I'm do glad, that. I'm glad you came to the <laughs> correct conclusion. So that's, so that's one thing like, 
if you're a founder, especially B2C, you're interested in WeFunder as a way of raising capital, hit us up. WeFunder.com slash raise is the link. And then honestly, one more little plug. If you're listening, you're an investor, angel investing, like oftentimes it's like 10K, 20K checks. It's like not that many people have that kind of money lying around. You have to be accredited. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is say it, it would make America better if you could 100X the number of angel investors that are investing in startups in their community, people they love. So we want to have more people. And especially, you know, if you look at like where capital is coming from, it's all people that look like me. It's not that mm. many people that look like you. Yeah. And so if we, if we can kind of lower the barrier, ent- barrier to entry, you know, and get more capital flowing to founders outside of California, New York, and Massachusetts, more capital flowing to founders of color, female founders, and empower more women of color to be angel investors, minimum investment on WeFund is a hundred bucks. So now you can be an angel investor for a hundred bucks, like start to learn the lessons of angel investing with yeah. a much smaller buy-in. Yeah. And then hopefully um, the bug bites, so you get really into startups and, and you might kind of deploy more of your capital into, into startups as well as parking it on, on Wall Street in a big faceless corporation that you don't really know or care about. I'm personally a huge fan of equity crowdfunding and community rounds, mostly Swear because, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and after doing it, one, well, you guys do a great job. I think WeFunder is always my recommendation when I'm looking at other platforms. Do we do, and you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say the names because, you know, they're the, the ops, right? Do we do Republic or do we do Star Engine or do we do WeFunder? And and my recommendation is typically always WeFunder. Um, one, I love you guys. Um, I was at risk of missing a payroll and Johnny covered me. So I appreciate it. Now that is not normal. We funder services. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for, uh, we'll, we'll edit that out. Please. <laughs> Johnny doesn't want to tell me. Don't want anyone hitting me up. Oh, sorry. Can no I get same Johnny, deal? Johnny, look, Johnny, um, that I was one of the first people to raise that amount of money um, at the time when the, the law changed for $5 million. And so there were a lot of things that we were just figuring out, you know? So that was a special circumstance and it took a special amount of time to like get my round closed. Um, but I think equity crowdfunding is what venture capital should be. Mm. I think it's that like that what the people who buy from you should be the ones who benefit from a liquidation event, you yeah. know, whether it's yes. an IPO or whether yes. it's a sale. The people who buy from you yes. make the brand. Why do they get nothing in the acquisition? That's totally. crazy. You know what I mean? And most and it doesn't have never, to be everything it can be a part of it, right? It yeah. You can still raise but from But most VCs, people don't think that their customers should it. get anything. You know right. what I mean? They feel yeah. like, well, this is my business and I do this. And it's like, it's such a selfish way to like live life. Right. Mm-hmm. But also I think for, you know, the, in my opinion, VC gate keeps money. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're getting money from the rich and you're like, okay, well this only can go to high growth tech companies. Why is that? Because they're not mm-hmm. the only people who can return money. They're not the only, and they're like, oh, but they can do it faster. But the truth is more of them fail faster than anybody else. And then mm-hmm. what happens is that money is gone. And then you're stuck, stuck there promoting your CPG companies because they're still around because they had a solid business model that actually made money. Yeah. So I feel like if you're a CPG company, uh, CPG says for consumer product goods, then equity crowdfunding, community rounds, like that's totally up your alley because you already have an audience and people yeah. who want to invest and are currently buying from you. Anyway, I digress. I am a huge fan of community rounds and I recommend we friend her all the time. So Johnny, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I love this. I love you guys so much, especially you. And I'm just so happy that we had a chance Inca to Powell talk. And Kapow as well. And Kapow. I know, I know Katie is your real favorite. Katie, Katie Powers, right? Yeah. Katie Powers helped me close my round on WeFunder. Shout out to Katie. She's Couldn't the best. have done it without her. Yeah. She has, she's a Swiss Army knife. She knows so much about legal and accounting. The bridge of the two is an art. 
Yeah. Most people just know one thing. They literally mm -hmm. go to school for years to learn one thing. When you know accounting and legal back and forth, like it's nobody's business, like she's I'm like, best. where do you come from? Where she's, do they make you? She's running Refunder in EU now. I was literally going to say, why aren't you running Refunder? Because I'm like, you're too smart to be working with me. No offense. Like I'm, <laughs> I, you're helping me raise my $5 million round, which I'm grateful for. But literally, like you're one of the smartest people I have met. I so, do like, think, I'm, I'm biased. I do think that is one of the things we've got going for us as a platform. Like the people we have that are going to work with you on your raise, I think are just brilliant people and, and like good people. Like we didn't talk about this. We fund as a public benefit corporation. Mm. So instead of a C Corp um, where you're obligated to maximize shareholder returns, we fund as a public benefit corporation. So we have a charter, which is about getting more capital flow into underrepresented founders, empowering more people to invest in startups they love. Yeah. And so um, we're actually legally obligated to uphold that charter. And so then you have a lot of people like me that maybe used to work in the nonprofit sector and kind of doing this for mission, mission related reasons. And obviously Katie's, Katie's one of those people. Oh yeah, Katie's dope. Now I'm digressing. Thanks for having me on. This has been super fun. All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the More Rounds podcast. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.